welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I'm your host, Nathan Raglan, and normally I don't like to call out whenever I have some garbage guests on the podcast, but this might possibly be the most trash episode I've ever had, and I mean that in the best way possible. Today we have Trash Comedy, a comedy group based out of New York with an amazing group dynamic and an outstanding podcast, Hot Goss with Trash Comedy. It was wonderful to have Chloe, Rachel, Lindsay, and Shem on to talk about the art of comedy and improv, though it wasn't a flawless performance. Rachel couldn't hear Chloe the entire time, so there's going to be some overlap whenever they speak, but more importantly, I forgot to record their audio for the first 30 minutes of the podcast. Yeah, top-notch podcast here, guys. Got you covered. Sadly, that means that we're just going to be jumping right in with the first couple questions. There's going to be none of the normal chit-chat that you send to the conversation, and that really sucks, because you won't get context for moments like this. And speaking of Daddy Shem, you want to finish this off with how you got injured? (laughs) (laughs) And you never will. Technical difficulties aside, this was still an incredible episode, one of the more recent ones that I think I laughed a whole lot for, and I hope you enjoy as much as I did, if not more. Make sure you support Trash Comedy with the links down below. Also, feel free to support this podcast by liking, sharing, subscribing, or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. Make sure you give glowing reviews when you can, five stars on Apple Podcasts if possible. If you want to go even further with that support you should go to the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com. That way you can enjoy some incredible streetwear made by some incredible artists to help support some incredible causes. If you want to go even one step further, since Hot Goss is a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network, and this podcast is part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network, you should go to the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord server. That way you can talk more about this podcast, Hot Goss, some of the other podcasts, have some fun, share some memes, just have a good time all around. In fact, let's hear about a completely different, incredible podcast on the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Whispering Hunties. Oh my god. What? <laughs> Hi, I'm Mijan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Whispering Hunties, a global queer culture drag and drag race podcast. We love the TV show, but we're also working to build a space to celebrate and learn about local drag scenes, queer artists and creatives, designers, queer communities around the world, queer allies, and the effects of COVID 19 on queer spaces. Basically, every week we learn about queer culture and then have a kiki about our favorite TV show. So get ready for insight. This has been kind of like the best challenge of the season, I feel like. And a little bit of shade. It gets annoying because she's like, I didn't think I was in the bottom. It's like you were in the bottom. And a whole lot of love. I love you all. Love you. Good chat. Tune in wherever you listen to your podcast and join the kiki sometime. I think I'm going to industry tonight after Black Widow. Um, thanks for the invite, Nick. It's fine. Come, come, go, come to industry. No, no, come to industry no, tonight. No, 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 yeah. no, no. You see me make out with a hot little, uh, hot little guy. Too late. <laughs> Too late.
And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Alright guys, before we really get going, I'm going to ask the icebreaker question that I've been asking for most of the recent podcasts at the very least. So, let's say you guys are given the opportunity to go to a deserted island on your own accords. Is, you know, just you guys, except you get to bring either one piece of media or one piece of art with you to make sure you don't go completely insane on this island. What is the one thing you guys bring with you? If I were on the desert island, I would bring nothing. I'd lean into the sadness. I really <laughs> just embrace the madness as it takes me. Lindsay, go. <laughs> mixtape for everyone, I'm guessing? <laughs> yeah, mixtape. Mix not a playlist this time. This time I'm making a mixtape and I'm bringing a cassette player from home. Great. Please put some explosions on the sky. I love that. Uh, Rachel, <laughs> what kind of media are you going to bring to a uh, desert island? <laughs> I'm going to bring the movie Chicago so that it will entertain me, Lindsay, and Chloe, and Shem can have some alone time. <laughs> wow. With his uh, I had it coming. <laughs> uh, little Chicago joke has been working on in the interim. Chloe, what about you? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Chloe, what would you bring to a desert island? I'd bring a book about Moss. I bought one recently, and it just, like, is tips and tricks about moss, and I think that's pretty important. I think you got to know what's up with moss. We got to eat something. Maybe it's moss. Folks, you heard them. You loved them. The New York comedy team, uh, <laughs> Brooklyn-based trash. Welcome to the pod, Lindsay, Rachel, Chloe, and Cher. <laughs> Nevertheless, thank you guys for taking time to be here. I really do appreciate it. I apologize for the technical issues. I feel so bad. <laughs> no, don't feel bad. Before I really divulge into what you guys are doing nowadays with comedy, I want to go back just a little bit. And I want to know the origin stories of trash comedy, or at least the members themselves. What got you guys interested in art and comedy in the first place? Oh my god, do I go first? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, always. <laughs> we did the first run. You can do it this run. <laughs> yes. Um, so my family um, on my mom's side is very into the arts. My grandpa is an artist. Um, my mom was a ballet dancer. So it just kind of was like naturally ingrained into what I was absorbing. Um, but when I was really little, I would watch a bunch of old musicals with my grandparents and I became particularly obsessed with On the Town. Um, so just watching and um, seeing the campiness of musicals. My grandma was also really obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. So The Wiz was one that I watched oh. again and again and again and again. So again, just like seeing the the camp of those musicals pretty much bled into uh, who who I am. And after dancing forever growing up, um, it just was like a natural, natural progression into the theater world. That's a good start, if nothing else. Uh, Lindsay, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, it's similar in some ways to Rachel. Like, m my family, like, uh, particularly, like, on my mom's side, uh, really loves, like, musicals, loves theater. Like, we would go to shows a lot, so I'd see, like, a lot of stuff at the theater and, like, love that. I think musicals just shut me up as a baby. Like, I cried a lot, so they would, like, put Aww. on the sound of music in The King and I. <laughs> and, like, so I was, like, indoctrinated from a very early age because they're, like, this seems to keep her quiet. Um, and then 
my parents would both watch a lot of comedy, like um, stuff like uh, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie's show. There was like a comedy duo called The Two Ronnies, a bunch of like British sitcoms. And then they would like remember bits from them and act them out and just do bits generally. Um, and like my mom would always like do silly stuff around the house. So I kind of grew up around that and like watching a lot of comedy. I was very shy to start doing stuff. Like I did go dancing, um, but like actually to act like it was like, I, I kind of like edged my way forward as I started. Like I started off being like doing sound and lighting and then was like a prompt. So I was like, well, I'm on the stage. They just can't see me. <laughs> so gradually got there. There we go. I just want to say real quick. Oh, you did sound. <laughs> well, I didn't I even was, know that when I was 13 to 15. <laughs> I, just, I do want to say real quickly, I love how you brought up uh, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie because I remember that show, A Bit of Fry and Laurie. Um, yeah. Fry and Laurie. Yes. Uh, I always get their names mixed up. The other day I called it A Bit of Hugh and Laurie and someone was like, you have got it wrong. Hugh <laughs> Laurie. Like, yes, I have. <laughs> Oh, goodness. That was a good show. But nevertheless, that's incredible to hear. Nevertheless, uh, Chloe, would you like to go next on what got you interested in art and comedy? Yeah, so I think uh, definitely was it. I did not grow up in an art house. Sorry, my family. Um, We weren't like, uh, we were just, you know, I wasn't introduced to like art, like whatever that world. We weren't like a pop culture-y whatever world. Uh, But and I forgot about this, but I, when I was graduating high school, uh, or like when you're whatever, you're a junior, early senior, when you're looking at colleges and being like, man, apply here, da, da, da. In my head for a reason I had, oh, I'll go to NYU. I'll go to New York. I'll go to NYU. I'll do film stuff there. I'll be an actor, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for no, that was, I had no experience, didn't do school plays. I was like, I'm not doing stuff with those jumps. Uh, like I just didn't do anything like that. And then for whatever reason, that was just in me and I went to NYU but didn't didn't do Tish I was like I don't have a portfolio what am I going to give them I can't do that so that was disheartening later uh at a different college because we hopped around uh I again like hadn't done any acting hadn't done comedy nothing uh and randomly was just like oh I I could do improv and then then did it and then it was kind of going from there uh, but I do remember, and this genuinely happened, popped into my head pretty recently, like, um, uh, oh, sorry, I thought Rachel said she can't hear me. Uh, <laughs> um, growing up, my dad, I was uh, doing impressions from the Dana Carvey, the Master of Disguise. There we go. There you go. Uh, I just, the turtle, turtle. And I just true very earnestly looked at my mom and was like this bath this kid's pretty it's funny <laughs> uh and i really internalized that uh and i was like that kid i definitely was like a funny kid but the quietly funny kid that would mumble jokes in class and then my louder friend would say it out loud and get the laughs it's like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> and i but i never learned my lesson i never just said i was too shy too quiet to say it too loud I just mumbled it from the oh, Wow. So that's my long answer. <laughs> it's a good answer, <laughs> nevertheless. Um, goodness. And then finally, Shem, what got you interested in art and comedy and such? 
Oh, I was just born funny. He came out the womb with the mic, just like <laughs> tap, 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 this thing on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then also, like, I did sort of had like a sad, dramatic childhood. Uh, very sad, very lonely. Uh, and then I was a big fan of the Victor Ball hate quote that the laughter is the shortest distance between two people. So, like, I'd use uh, comedy as a way of like uh, connecting with people in uh, all spheres. And it's like, oh, this feels like very good. And I remember like the first comedic piece I like wrote as an essay was published in the like the six one paper and i just saw people like just standing around like reading a thing i'd wrote and just laughing and it was like oh they are laughing you know uh which is the other quote by harry shearer is like comedy means you can control how people laugh at you um which was like also really helpful so i was like oh uh i should do more of this and it was also like helpful in that i had like a faculty for doing it <laughs> so it was like it didn't like necessarily like the Comedy's like very hard, but it was like not impossible. It's like, oh, I can like do this to some degree, so I'll push it further. I, that's it's it's a good progress or a good journey at that point, if I do say so myself. Now we can get back to this question. <laughs> this might be in somewhat of the same vein of the previous question, but for you guys, when did it go from just like a love for comedy and such to a passion, then potentially making it your career? Ah, um, so. Uh, my dad is from India, and he is very much um, of the mindset that you need to be an engineer or in business um, or a doctor. Um, so I went to business school. I didn't do theater school. Um, I moved to New York immediately after graduation um, to work in advertising. So really, like, I hadn't decided to make it a a career um until I got to New York but it had always been a part of my life um I remember one summer in high school they put every episode of SNL up on Netflix mm. and I like I lived in Arizona so it was really freaking hot so I'm not like going out and doing things during the summer like you watch TV um so I like started from the very beginning and I would take notes on which sketches I liked and which performers I liked the most. And my parents had always watched SNL um, growing up. So it was something that we could also do together and that they enjoyed. And I didn't realize I was doing it, but I was like making characters um, for my parents. And my first character was named Ida and she was an old Russian grandmother <laughs> who did stand-up comedy to, like, hit on boys. My parents would try to get me to do, like, these characters in front of their friends, and I would never do it because I was embarrassed. But I didn't really realize, like, what I was doing when I was doing it. But um, and when I got to New York, I, you know, I had attended shows at UCB, and I met someone who was in a 201 class. And she was like, you should just do it. It's fun. I, like, moved here right after graduation. I didn't have friends. Like, the only people I knew I was working with, and I hated my job, and I just hated working in advertising. So I started taking classes at UC UCB, and I was like, oh, wait, I'm good at this. So then I kept doing it, and, you know, slowly but surely, I've been able to, uh, you know, make it... No, it doesn't pay all of my bills, but... Um, get a part of what i'm doing to stay alive <laughs> i mean that's it's good nevertheless <laughs> i imagine you can correct me on this at least like mentally and emotionally you're probably a lot more fulfilled with doing comedy than just about anything else you may have done at that point 
Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. There you go. Who'd like to go next? I'll go. Go, Chloe. I think, uh, I don't know that I ever wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm doing this for real, like serious. Like even just like when I like, like even just like being like, oh, I'm going to go act at NYU. Great. I'll graduate and learn there. Uh, even that where the, like that was just like in my body for whatever reason, I didn't like have a plan, but I still was like, yeah, but I, I'll do that. And then we'll go from there. Uh, and like, I think, yeah, I think even like when I, I think as like, it's so, uh, low stakes and like, it doesn't matter at all. Of course in college improv, <laughs> like, but like doing that audition, having done nothing and just like getting on the team and being like, you're really people being like, you're funny. That was great. Uh, was like validating in a way where it was like, well, if I can do that with no experience, I think I can get good at this and like really go for it. And I loved it immediately. And like, so it was just really like, I want to, I'm doing this. I want to take it very serious. I can't do anything in and off. Like, I just want to be creative in this way. And I really like this. So let's do it. There we go. There we go. Shem, Lindsay, which one of you want to go next? Uh, can go, uh, yeah, I just like, I like writing, uh, and doing stuff. Um, I, um, was then like, yeah, so I like writing and doing stuff and making and creating content. So I was like, this would be great. I also have limited resources. So it'd be great if, uh, I could work with people who can, uh, help me produce that content. So I started like writing, um, scripts, um, working on things with friends. Um, like we sort of of the like the first sitcom I wrote was like options so like it wasn't so that's immediately oh I'm doing this for real or like I I want to like work at this so that was like a real um it's hard to like go backwards from from there so it's like always like talking and meeting or going and meeting with commissioners or producers or production companies um and it's like oh this would be like very nice to do on a more regular basis i was also like had no money at that time so it's like oh it'd be great if i could sell one of these things and get like lots of money that would that would really help um and then it was all business at first of like this is like uh, the pressure way to go into comedy and like do things and like work with all these people and then i actually found that less satisfying than the actual joy of content creation and like making things like the the core reason why i got into comedy uh per se so like it was um after doing a lot of like back and forth with production companies that i found very frustrating mm. um that it's like oh you can just like go and perform and like just tell jokes and it's like oh really and like no one can stop you like that's the thing like <laughs> uh they can try it but like you can genuinely like get out like anywhere and like do a show or like perform so it's like oh this is like a nice free release um of like being able to like, put comedy out into the world uh, so I like went backwards in a way from like uh, doing lots of like professional content to like suddenly like going, oh, I'm just doing a show for free. Um, I'm telling a joke. It's in my head. It's now out there. You are either laughing or not laughing. And this feels like a great like immediate release. Uh, so that was uh, my journey. Nice. I mean, as someone that has tried to like get their stuff out there, especially for people and stuff like that, just doing the stuff yourself just is a whole lot better than just trying to make something for someone else. Like I, I don't know about you, but I can definitely attest to that. Um, Lindsay, last but not least, what got, <laughs> when did they go from love to passion? Um, similar to Rachel, like my parents were like this, like if I expressed interest in pursuing like acting or writing as a career, it was like, 
get a job that will pay and like do that in the background and then like try and like switch the balance um i overcommit in my day job so that's hard sometimes um and it took for like while i, I i'm from the uk i was in london till i was like about 27 and I had done stuff in school, I'd done stuff in, like, university, and then I didn't really do much in my 20s. Like, I, I couldn't really find... I wasn't making much time for it. I did... I was in, like, a writer's group, like, writing short stories, and that was really fun. And, like, we all came out of a class together, and someone in the class was like, last time the class just disappeared, like, let's set a date, let's get in touch and with me all the time. And that was just really great to be a part of and, like, take stuff into or, like, do activities as a group. And then when I moved to Sydney, I kind of felt like I had like more separation between some things. I also really hated my job at the time. And that's when I like started doing improv uh, like a lot. And like our improv team then like started to run shows and just create stuff, but do things very differently to all the other teams around. And that was really like amazing to build something and then there was a lot of politics. I don't get why this, <laughs> there's always politics. Um, so then we stopped doing improv and started doing sketch. And that was like a really fun pivot to like create something different. And then um, when that stopped, I started doing stand up because I was like, oh, okay, the team doesn't exist, but I still want to do this. So I'll just like find the ways that I can like put it into my life and do different things. And uh, an acting teacher at the time, like got everyone in the class to write a monologue for someone else. And he was like, it's so important just to try and like write stuff or create stuff. Cause then you're not like sitting around waiting to be cast as an actor. So just like write little things. I mean, there you go. There you go. I do want to say, I've actually heard your story before because I heard your episode on stranger than Christian. Yeah. You definitely got a lot of material uh... to work off of. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, what did I say on that? <laughs> Ooh. I was like, oh, a year ago probably, I'm like, what did I say? Yeah, like that. I was going to say, I remember I remember whenever I was going through his back catalog when I first like got interested in not only like his podcast, but everyone's podcast in the Apocalypse Network or whatnot, I heard that episode, I'm like, wait, I've heard that voice before. <laughs> my friends uh like particularly in sydney but it still happens sometimes like if a bar or somewhere is really busy like people just listen for my laugh and they're like that's where i yeah. need to go, go. um so yeah there we go but now that i know kind of like what got you guys to at least this point of getting into improv and, and uh, improv comedy just as a whole and such I want to like dissect it just a little bit because I think you guys can attest to this. There are certain times where, especially if it's done right, comedy can be like a true art form. So what about comedy in general just kind of brings you guys like to that as a way to express yourselves? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's, um, it's an escape for both the audience and the people performing it. Um, I think there's like a reason that, you know, people are drawn to certain types of comedy and a lot of it is like collective trauma and um, how we like to process emotions. Um, and and I do find, for me at least, like something is going on that's like hard. Uh, I my cat mimosa joining us um if there's something that's going on that's hard i definitely use comedy as a way to escape or a way to make it like 
okay uh, to process it. So I think that's like one of the reasons that I think it's beautiful art form. I think some of the best comedy is also sad. Um, I, I, I personally like when there's like the duality between the two, but I'll let other people join in too. Um, yeah, like I'm really, uh, I think comedy is just like an art form like any other. So like I find it very weird when people talk about um, topics or subjects. Like uh, if you're allowed to make a drama about a topic, um, you're also allowed to make a comedy about a topic. It's not the fact that it's a comedy isn't like disrespectful or weird or sad. It's just a different way of approaching or looking at a problem. And it's the end result of what you want to, the journey you want to take your audience on. So there's loads of co comedy that touches on um subjects which are like sad or traumatic or um cathartic these all experience it's just a different way in the door and it's um you know a very disrespected art form like you can't like win awards um or accolades for comedy and everyone feels like it's like very uh like thorough disposable it's so hard to do and it's also one of the things that it moves so quickly because it's a collective temperature gauge of what um there's the reality and then there's like the um the uh thing that deviates from the expected normal realities like we expect this person to behave this way and they're behaving this way so they're in that some comedy uh arises or like what you expect to be normal versus what's unexpected that's where uh comedy lives and that that moves so quickly uh those two things that like a lot of the um comedy of like something you'd see in like from the 50s or the 80s like almost doesn't land or doesn't work uh in the same way not in terms of like offense just in terms of like speed at which uh, people's realities change. Um, so, like, it's such a fascinating um, art form. Yeah, I mean, especially considering just how, like, you establish it with kind of, you know, if you can make a drama about it, you can make a comedy about it, with how times are changing or whatnot, what people would consider probably a drama, you know, back then would be considered comedy for us nowadays, just kind of how people's expectations of certain topics just, like, evolve and how comedy as an art form sort of goes along with that if nothing else to make people feel a little bit more comfortable with the topic you can correct me for that thought or whatnot but <laughs> i totally agree i think too that's like something that we as a group have also been gravitating towards more lately is is pulling in some of those more serious things yeah i can only imagine yeah, I feel like you get like, uh, um, I forget what you said, how you phrased it, but like you also get like a better sense, can get a better sense of yourself watching someone else's things. It's just like, whoa, not just like in a representation sense, but of like a, oh, that little thing I do, you do too. And it's just like very humanizing and really, like really love that. I think it's just, yeah, it's very, it's a cool thing. And I guess this is a lot like, all uh just thinking like live entertainment i think this is probably applies to most if not all but it's just cool to be having a conversation it's just not just like us presenting and speaking towards the audience but it's like it is two ways uh and i think that's just like a cool dynamic as well i would say especially in today's age where it's a lot easier to know what exactly the audience is thinking especially trying to get that sort of like you know hey yeah. we're on the same level we're here to laugh for the same reasons yeah, and I, last night, I was just going to say, it really freaked me out, slash, was, like, you just, like, forget, like, last night, 
someone brought up a, like a show they saw me, a queer character and show I did like th- two or three years ago. And they were like, I love this. I remember it, blah, blah, blah. And that to me truly blew my mind because it was like, oh, that I had so much fun writing that, doing that. And you also remember that that truly like was like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> it just is like, oh, that was really cool. It's good. Cool. I'll say, Lizzie, do you want to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 I'm now like, which character, Chloe? Which character? <laughs> um, so I'm very excited. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with what everyone has been saying. I think, like, there's such a joy to doing it, and it creates just, like, really delightful moments. And, like, you know, I think as a group we like to create things to to Chloe's point that hopefully that people remember if they leave like a show of ours, it's like they go away having had like an experience or like it's not, you know, yes, it's funny, but there's also something that stays with them as well. Yeah, no, it says, uh, ah. wow, words are wonderful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, like that's, you know, especially true whenever like, you know, that it leaves an impact um, with all sorts of different comedy, especially with what you guys initially started off with, which was improv. Um, I just have to know, like, because that's basically just, like, comedy, like, amped up on, like, cocaine or something like that. Because, good lord, like, the stuff that goes inside of Im- into improv, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, it's intense at times. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, please, Rachel. Oh, please. God, no, please go ahead, Shem. Um, like, the, it's weird because I don't, improv isn't com- comedy. Uh, like, oh. it's uh, just, it. it's a device that you're using to like create uh, material in the moment like it's like uh but it doesn't necessarily have to be funny and the worst uh, like a thing that you will if you go to like a real good um if you're taught improv like uh by someone who is like good and interesting uh they will mostly hammer home do not be funny don't try to be funny um like dig into real authentic experiences and it's very theatrical and dramatic and you'll learn more about acting and being present in the moment and all that kind of stuff uh it's very um and then that will help you with uh making comedy or when you're like trying to do like a comedic improvised uh piece like you can channel those thoughts uh and also use your comedy brain but um yeah like no improv class will be like let's all sit and like be uh funny for five minutes or like think of like jokes or like pitch or like do that stuff around it's all let's <laughs> bend over and stretch and tell sad stories and like listen to each other and go, mm, yeah i'm feeling you and uh like it's it it's a real tone shift if you come from like working in comedy okay i mean that's something that i never realized i i, I had attempted to be part of like a college improv like group or whatnot i did not even make it past the first day so that tells you my quick wit if nothing else um because i because like shem was kind of because like what shem was kind of illustrating i was trying to be funny i wasn't trying to like keep the flow of whatever was going on and yeah that's a whole different experience like you walking away Uh, i think that's like also like what something that i struggled with when i first started and probably still do struggle with but i found that like the times that i'm doing the best at improv I'm literally just like standing and reacting to what's happening in front of me. And like, will I do that in like a dumb voice? Probably because I can't fight that instinct. But even if I'm like not doing that, it's probably funnier. So I have to fight my sketch brain instincts versus improv. Yeah. I said, Chloe, you want to add something to that? 
No. Because oh. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll add while Chloe remembers. <laughs> Sorry. Also, I don't know, Chloe, if you know this, I literally can't hear. I haven't been able to hear you. Yeah, the whole time. I saw your message. So I'm sorry it. if I'm interrupting you. It's <laughs> like yep. I don't know when you're talking. <laughs> Chloe back. needs like <laughs> Rachel. Save that. Rachel, say that. I'm say. Anyways. You're a far better person for walking away from improv after a day than all of us. Be oh, like, I, far better than us. I didn't walk away from improv. I was just told never to come back. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> improv is a far better art form for telling you to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Lindsay, what did you want to add? Uh, I was just like, one of the things I really love, like, it, kind of going off what Shem said about, like, not trying to be funny and stuff, but like, just that listening and responding, but doing that like with the physical choices as well. And like really sometimes not even needing to say anything. Like it's really fun if you get to be patient and kind of let things build because it might take a longer to get like some of the early laughs, but then it's really fun because the payoff tends to be like much bigger. That's honestly fair enough. And then they'll say, I imagine that like for the audience, it kind of builds up kind of an anticipation that eventually gets released at the right moment. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, gross, but improv is like a three-way conversation between uh, the performers on stage and the audience. Like, without like any of those elements, it doesn't work. So, like, you're all like discovering good improv is like everyone is discovering what is happening or what's funny or interesting in the moment, rather than um, uh, any other like pre-planned uh, content or like just quips. It's like, oh, we have all like, discovered that you know this. Uh, situation is meaningful to us because of this reason or this reason and you get this collective oh uh on behalf of that which which feels like very good but it's also very hard to like capture or like take away or transmute to other things but it is like those moments when they like do genuinely click and you allow them to like click and resonate like really um uh enjoyable cham you're making me want to do improv <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> uh, do we do we do it <laughs> I do improv all the time. Uh, I no. my little secret. <laughs> uh, I have a pitch deck open in front of like about an improv project, but um, uh, it's the what I find uh, the problem with improv is like people like talk too much about it, or like you can do a twenty minute set and then talk about it for like two hours and like really break apart because it gives you something more concrete to hone in on rather than just being like you know uh, a fun approach to doing comedy that shouldn't like take up your entire life or financial uh, situation right right it's healthy it's a, it's a good way of thinking about more than anything else um well obviously like that's a good foundation for well i was gonna say improv but comedy as a whole that's a good basically foundation for you guys especially the fact that you guys eventually came together to become a comedy group trash comedy i want to know the origin stories of trash now what got you four together to be like we should do more comedy stuff together we met at a sex house so Wait, um, <laughs> no did chloe say something chloe oh, said we met at a sex house <laughs> at a sex house as i was oh, saying i love story, this story Rachel. great wonderful <laughs> So he wants to go with the story because you already, I'm already intrigued. Um. 
Rachel take the story. I was like, I don't know if Chloe's talking. Chloe isn't talking. Tell the story. Okay, this is the real story. No sex involved. Um, Yet. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Um, So uh, it's basically like the origin story of most like comedy teams. Um, I met Lindsay and Shem at, um, there used to be a big improv festival at UCB in New York called the Del Close Marathon Mm. um, before it crashed and burned and they took everything good away from us. So um, I met Lindsay and Shem there. I had, it was my first DCM and I had like, guy I was in, I was in my 401 class with Nicole Drispell and I just like wanted to soak up every second of it. Um, so I like signed up for a bunch of classes that I like probably wasn't qualified for. Um, but my first day I took a mono scene class with Shem and I had never done a mono scene before. And I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. Um, and Shem made truly a move that I still remember, which I won't go into too much detail about, but he just like played a drone and I thought it was really brilliant. Um, and I was like, this guy's cool. And the next day I was in a monocene class with both Lindsay and Shem. And this is at the time Lindsay and Shem um, still lived in the UK. So they weren't in New York yet. Um, but we had just met there and I thought they were like fun and lovely. Um, and then my 401 class started a practice team um, with people that are like former members of Trash, still friends, lovely. They just had other things going on. Um, they started with people from their 301, which included Chloe, and then 401, which included me. Um, Shem and Linz moved to the U.S., and we were like, we love you. Will you join this team? Um, and they started, like, practicing with us, and then we're the four left standing of um, what used to be a bigger group. But I think the four of us just really had good chemistry in a way that we balance each other out very well. Um, I'll let someone else jump in too. Nothing further to add. Not fair. I was gonna say if Chloe says there's nothing further to add, I don't know if Shem or Lindsay have anything <laughs> they want to add with it. I mean, just not nah, like hella dumb. Uh, but we also so we would uh, so we'd like improvise beside like putting on shows and like making uh, content to promote those shows, and it was like fun like writing and working. Uh, with each other in that sense. Um, Rachel's like a writer-director uh, as well. Um, the same, like, they, everyone, like, makes stuff, so we also, like, collaborate and work on, like, various projects together. So it wasn't just... Um, a lot of improv teams will, like, uh, you know, do a montage in the basement um, every couple of months to know people. Uh, and it's, like, uh, it's like a pick-up basketball. Um we're the motherfucking NBA. So we... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough basketball to carry on with this analogy, but Chloe is about to speak. I know that much. Oh, so I slam dunk it home. Uh, I just will not forget, uh, and this is like re- uh, related slash an example of what Shep said, like get Rachel one day mentioning, she was in like a one-off I think it was one-off improv class, and the teacher had asked, like, what are the indie shows that people, like, you want to perform at these days? And I remember that our trash show was one of the ones that came up. 
And having Rachel say that to us, I think was just felt really good because there are so many indie shows. And for us to be called out as like, yeah, this is a good show. Like, and like, we know as the people putting it on, like, we really care about that show. Like we put a lot of time into that show. So to have it be like a show people want to do and want to see, like, I think that energy is what we always want in everything we're doing is like, we're having fun doing this. We're having fun making this. We want everyone who's enjoying the content to have that same sense of joy, whether it's a dark comedy or sad or like whatever we're making or putting up, whatever. I think that, that was a little through line of joy. That was lovely. Uh, and then, oh, so sorry. Uh, and then uh, we like started making like uh, podcasts during the pandemic, but also like working on content writing uh writing sketches we did like a sketch show uh last year we uh have worked on like short films and things like that and it's just really uh, a useful way of like leveraging the talents of everyone's like different voices and skill sets to like create more content that's less ephemeral but also like doing still doing like live content or putting out uh, material that's like enjoyable and like um fun in the in interim so like, keeping both things uh going at the same time as well that once again that is wonderful to hear more than anything else, especially just how far you guys have come along from just you know the 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 classes putting together a practice troop and here you four are left standing you know guns blazing or whatnot i have to know in this like comedy journey you guys have had so far do you i'd I like an answer from each of you hopefully do you have like a particular moment or a particular sketch whether it be on stage or off stage that is you would consider like your best moment as trash comedy Um, this is hard because there's like, there's so many like lovely moments, like small moments that I think are good examples of us supporting each other on stage. But I, I think one show that stands out, um, I think it was the first time Chloe and I had ever done the movie. It was just me, Chloe, Linz and Shem and we were doing a movie together and I don't remember much of the content. However, I remember at one point, Lindsay and Shem picked up Chloe and I became like a hoop that Chloe jumped <laughs> through. And Chloe, I think it was about like a dog competition. Okay. Um, it's it. The content doesn't matter. What matters is like that feeling of like, being so supported or like I'm trying something new and it's scary. Like the worst part of performing, um, especially in improv is feeling negated on stage, mm -hmm. which happens a lot in improv and it happens a lot with people you don't necessarily have. Chen, why are you laughing? I was going to like, just go, no, it doesn't over the top. As you're saying it, <laughs> a simple joke. But I was like, I don't need to make that. Like, <laughs> I was like, I see something brewing here. Um, yeah, it just, uh, it's just like how supported we are. And there's probably a bunch of different examples of that, that I don't remember top of mind. Um, but it's like the reason why I think we're together and we work together so well. That hey, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a good story, nevertheless. I was going to say, does anyone else have a moment they want to emphasize? I think just, like, the show we used to host was also called Hot Cast, the one Chloe was talking about before. And, like, I wouldn't pick out any one of those shows, but we ran it for the best part of two years. Like, it sold out 
a lot of the time it had like consistent people like Chloe mentioned, you know, someone said to Rachel in a class, like, that's an indie show I want to play at. And I think just in creating that show, we had certain things that we wanted to make sure that show did. And we did it for the entirety of that. And I just think it was like really fun to work as a group to deliver that like consistently every month. I think like two shows really stand out in particular to me for different reasons. One of them, we did a, a Valentine's Day show where instead of the typical format of, you know, we have some stand-ups, some improv, like trash does improv at the end, that kind of thing. We had each of us, uh, or I'll say what Lindsay and I did after, but uh, the idea was we'd have couples doing improv. So Ooh. I got... Like we got to watch Lynn, uh, Rachel do improv with her improv crush, Shem do improv with his improv crush. And it was just like so. Shem did a set on his own. <laughs> Shem did stand up on his own. <laughs> so what you're saying is. No, on his own. I just do sets with Connor when I want to because we're friends. Okay. Well. The po- well, point for that example uh, was it was just really selfishly really enjoyable to watch my best friends do comedy at, at like quote unquote our show just in a different way and to truly just enjoy them as an audience member. I loved mm-hmm. um, Lindsay and I played little drag boys, uh, little boys in drag. What the right way to say that? That <laughs> uh, really stood out to me where I was just like, oh, that's like a. a formative adult like memory moment i'm like that'll stay with me forever we had a mom's show where literally rachel and i's moms did improv with trash uh and it just like start to finish that show like it was sold out it was incredible energy it was like just so much joy start to finish and the audience was just so on board with two moms being in this show and it was just like yeah it was just like really a I think a testament to the audience that our show had kind of like created almost, I don't know what the right way to say that, but like, it was like, Oh yeah, this is a really awesome audience. Like I love our audience. I love like we've created this space where people are supportive and feel joy and like, Oh, it's great. (laughs) That, that just seems like uh, it's more than anything else. Like those two shows, like seem like a fun concept, but to see it basically ex- to hear that they got basically executed like fairly well received, nevertheless. Rachel, I want to know from you because I know you probably didn't hear what Chloe said. How was your mom for that <laughs> mom show that she was talking about? A <laughs> monster, uh, a ham. Um, no, I, I literally I, I texted and I was like, Is Chloe talking about the moms? Um, <laughs> really, it was beautiful. Chloe's mom, uh, wanted to immediately leave the stage she was like this is not for me and susan my mom was like do i get more time (laughs) um it was it was so much fun to hear the audience chanting moms over and over again like it was just so heartwarming so like aparna nonchera watched that and i think it's so (laughs) funny like she performed at that show um like the fact that like my mom was improv in front of her i think is so adorable and funny uh what i enjoyed about Shem that show as well oh uh that's i'm just i'm 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 i'm, I'm yeah she has a pipe 
Um, the uh, intro was like a good example of like the um, why improv can be good. Um, because it's like it. I'm about to describe like something to you. You won't enjoy this. Uh, but in the moment, uh, the people um, were all like, oh, the setup of the context is their mums are playing in the show and they're doing improv. Uh, they're like standing around, like sort of nervously on the back of the scenes, like kind of like sort of involved. Uh, someone mentions a thing uh, and they like, and they like say like one line and then everyone's like, oh, they, the mum said like a thing. And then they like go back and like, well, I've, well I did it. Uh, and like I run out and like um, I was barely in that show. I was like taking photos, but I ran out from the, the back and pulled them into a scene and like set them up and like said, oh, we're doing a scene and like we're going to like explain. It. and like it was like a real like i'll gently loft this ball into the end you can like hit it uh so they were able to like succeed and it wasn't like making fun of them but it was like a real good way of like showcasing um what they were doing or like how they thought or what they thought was going on uh and like everyone was like all mutually enjoying that experience and like aware of the metatextual elements what was happening so it was an enjoyable moment of um spontaneous theater for everyone to like enjoy uh, i couldn't have described this in a more pretentious way uh, <laughs> if i tried I mean, yeah. good. <laughs> but, like, the, I, so I didn't come in and, like tell a joke I came in and like was like supporting them or like showing them like now please like you be funny and that's like the point of improv is you're like kind of uh creating a safe and supportive environment for other people to uh explore and express their comedic uh content I mean that, and I the can, mums ran with it. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I can only imagine. I wish I was in New York to do to see these kind of shows or whatnot. Um, I'll say, Shem, do you have a, a moment you want to add, or are you with basically everyone else with this one? Um, the question was a moment that we have trash has done like good content. Um, and there there are many of those moments where we have uh, done real good. I'm sure. Uh, but the one I'll like circle back to is the show that. Uh, Rachel and Chloe were at where we like did the movie form. It's very arcane and like difficult, and um, so there's like lots of steps to it, um, which is pointless. But Lindsay and I like do it all the time, and they're really, really good. And they were like so uh, keen and like willing to like take on this challenge in front like a big like crowd of people, uh, and their enthusiasm was like infectious and really exciting. And it was like I don't care about how I do in the show. I'm very pleased or excited to see how you perform or like watch you like take on all these characters and the good thing about the movie form is like you can kind of gift other people like uh roles or like you set them up uh to succeed in like really clear ways so it's like oh you two are like uh camp enjoyable dog trainers and then they just like off to the races and like playing around and like um doing that and it's like creating like i i acted very little in that show but it was more like and now here's a scenario where you can like be fun or like here's another scenario where you can be good uh and then why that show was like great because they like the show wasn't supposed to be about dog trainers but they felt like so good that it really like pulled focus and it like became really cool and there's like lots of little dogs like jumping through hoops and things like that uh and then it ended with like one of the um dog trainers like getting on one knee and then holding up a ring and will you jump through this hoop into my heart <laughs> and like marry me wow. uh, and like it's like one of those moments that like felt like oh this uh i enjoy improv where it feels like every other everything you said that so this matters so i'm going to apply to it and it matters and then that like dominoes down to the beginning of the show reflects the end of the show and it all feels like it's like a written piece or, or like it feels like uh it all matters or was building to this moment so the reaction from that crowd was like huge everyone was like oh uh this feels like a, a real piece that they've worked on not like some people goofing off and that was uh for people who 
like they yeah they were, i was like wow these are very funny great people i get to perform with lindsay was also very good in that show as well but like she obviously she's always good like it was like great watching rachel very excel in that um frame well there we go there we go it, it, wonderful moments nevertheless and once again i wish i was in new york to see some of your guys' stuff <laughs> but but since i'm not in new york the best way i get to hear about you guys is through your podcast hot goss with trash comedy I, Lizzie kind of hinted at it a little bit, but how did the concept of hot goss came to be in the first place? Uh, originally, like it was the name of our show. So when we started the variety show, we called it Hot Goss, and we would ask the audience to write down goss, put it in a little trash can on the stage, and we would re goss out during the show. Sometimes we would like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> The, the trash can got a makeover during the pandemic. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, the trash can came out of the pandemic stronger than ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, for, for folks at home, it's now painted pink with the words hot goss in. And when you pop up the lid, there's hot lips. Um, so we liked the name and we used it for that show. So when we started the podcast, we were like, we'll just call the podca- podcast Hot Goss with Trash. Uh, the premise is different on the podcast. We all bring in a fact, as does our guest, and then we trade those facts like they're dirty pieces of gossip. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's a great concept that for anyone that hasn't already listened to it, for God's sakes, we're all part of the same podcast. Network. You should be listening to it by now. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful little concept, and I love how you guys have basically just taken it and sort of ran with it more than anything else, especially with some of the guests you kind of brought on more than anything else. Personally, my favorite episode was when you brought uh, Sebastian on the podcast. Just the energy that he brought with him. Good Lord. <laughs> Sebastian, like, every day. Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it, Can't, like... Go ahead, Chloe. Bro, I just, like, what is the first minute? Like, Sebastian wakes up, and I feel like he's there already. Just like boom, I'm up. What the fuck is up? <laughs> I, I, like I was just gonna say, like I feel like if you ever feel like you need drugs, no, go to Sebastian. He'll get you up and running. Forget coffee. Like he, he is, he is the perfect replacement. But I mean, even like aside from him, you've also had from the podcast network Joanna Van Thine. You've had uh, Louis G. Um, you've had people that have been acting in some prominent stuff or whatnot. Have you guys been personally amazed with some of the guests you've been able to bring on for this fun little show, nevertheless? No. <laughs> no I, think, I think a lot of the people that we've had on that, like, we look up to were people that we've had in our live shows and knew. Shem is, like, really good at um, booking and outreach and just asking people. Uh, people love to talk. People love who um, hear themselves talk uh, for the most part. So it, it, it's been great to see who we've been able to have on, but um, I think they're all uh, in, in name or in reputation. They might be intimidating, but like in reality, they're lovely, wonderful people. And then a lot of it is just it's people we like know in real life or have worked with or like done stuff with and a lot of like doing comedy or like uh in the city or even in LA you just meet a lot of people have like connections and it's 
there are common bonds or threads like so a lot of guests like just people using those for ucb or like uh have done stuff at ucb with and then that's just such a helpful oh yeah i know this uh i did the thing with a friend of yours like oh yeah we were on that show together from this thing blah 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 um and that's the same for like even like outside of that it's like oh yeah we worked on this little project or we did this other thing and like oh we did this show over this place and then you meet you're just out like doing shows and meeting people and uh yeah networking uh so then it you get to like meet or like talk to people who are like you know doing great things and then it's also of worth to note that they are not yeah, you you also have like value to bring to those interactions as well so they're also meeting you and they're like dealing with you and they're like oh my god you meant to meet this like new and interesting person even if you're like less established you are still like uh funny interesting and relevant so like it's not uh yeah it's less like a oh good lord i i i get to speak to insert name of uh lofty guest uh that we uh uh brought on the pod but and more like oh it's great we get to like uh do comedy for an hour with someone's fun yeah i feel like that is like like even talking to yeah like shem said like all the people we just like know as like acquaintances and we've like done shows with we have just like that small connection with it's been really cool to kind of uh, build that connection out a bit and just have like a quote unquote grounded conversation, but just cause you're just like bringing a fact, which number one, I feel like is just so interesting. Cause it's like, what did you find interesting? What did you bring? I think that's already just like a, a fun little look at a, at a person. Like what did you had one thing to bring? what did you bring? That's really cool. Um, and just to have a conversation that isn't about like comedy or about a show. And obviously that comes up, but it's like, you really get to kind of just like talk to someone in their interests and, you know, kind of let the conversation go where it, it will, which I have really enjoyed just kind of really like getting to know fans in a different way. Well, there you go. There we go. I was going to say, has the journey so far with this podcast been kind of what you guys have been anticipating or has it amazed you guys just how far the podcast has come along? I see Chloe like nodding her head. It, it surprised <laughs> you. Seriously to the second. Yeah. Cause I think, or speaking for myself, I'm like, I think it started like when said like during the pandemic as like a, a you know, a project we'll keep, keep working uh but the fact that we're still we've been so consistent uh i think we're like uh credit to shem booking bigger guests it's it's like growing in a way that at least i didn't anticipate especially with the pandemic like things being open we can socialize in person allegedly pretty safely uh i think it's been surprising to me but also i'm so happy and so proud that it's still going the way that it is just want to say that you can all book big guests like it's not John, <laughs> do you know how many red do you know how many dms i have, have that just say red yeah yeah <laughs> so your dating life like oh. <laughs> i was gonna say to it's be, really true i was say to be fair <laughs> as as someone that also tries to book pet guests on their podcast i both sympathize yeah God damn words. I both sympathize with Shem, but also like, come on, Shem, cut us some slack. <laughs> oh, people say yes to that smile. Not going to say yes to that trash smile I have. <laughs> Look at Shem's smile. Were you going to say no to that? No. Yeah, Shem sends a picture with every podcast yeah. request he sends oh, out. Shem, please do a podcast, please. <laughs> 
Please, pretty please. I think the thing I really enjoyed was like we started it in the pandemic, did a few episodes that were just us, and then we're like, oh, let's like have a guest on as well. And um, it that was like so exciting, so fun, like so brilliant, like at that time because no one could go and do things. So like a lot of the pandemic episodes felt like a fun thing I think for people to come and do as well because it was like an opportunity to perform and like for us like to connect to someone we knew from the community so it was also like great on that side as well so yeah I really enjoyed that I think it was like (laughs) kept us going (laughs) and I want to say in kind of the same vein when it comes to you know not only the kind of guests that you bring on but the facts that are also brought on the show has there been a fact that has just absolutely like blown your guys's mind and like basically like you cannot stop thinking of this fact now that it has been brought on the show. Rachel, you want to go first? <laughs> okay, I was like, is Chloe talking? Everyone was quiet. Okay, <laughs> um, I think about this all the time. There's truly so many that I will also now like bring up in conversation where I'll be like, did you know? Um, but the one I think about is that um, until the 80s, doctors didn't know that babies could feel pain so they would do open heart surgeries on babies without any anesthetic and i'm like that is so recent and i i'm just like no wonder people have trauma you know they were cut open as babies with anesthetic right off the bat (laughs) that one scares me yeah no, that 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 was truly a uh, a gruesome fact, if nothing else. So. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, so sorry. <laughs> Anyone else want to add their fact that's blown them blown them away? I think, I think Steve in this uh, ended of this because I think Shem recently posted this. Steve Janty brought a fact that uh, I think this might not have even been. I don't know if this was his main fact, but like. The year that Beyonce's Lemonade came out, Mozart sold, like, he just sold more album, like, right. copies of his album. I was like, what? <laughs> Beyonce's Lemonade, though. Uh, that really, that really threw me. Yeah. In yeah. Business Goose. In Business Goose. <laughs> I was business say, Goose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think any, I mean, there's there's a lot of them, the ones that, like, always surprise um, at anything relating to, like, the sea or ocean life yeah. or, like, the ocean itself. Like, you know, the thing that has an anus that moves and the jellyfish that lives forever. And it's yeah. like, these things are real and they're not that they're, they're not that far away. Like, space is cool, but, like, these things are so... I, I could go... Uh, I would have to get in a submarine for some of them, but, like, it's, like, <laughs> wild how many of those things, like... This, the sea ones just always surprise me and I love them so much. And like it wasn't, I think for me as well, it wasn't something I would necessarily like read about or look into like pre the podcast. Fair enough. And Shem, I know you're usually the one that like knows a lot of facts, by the way, but has there been a f- fact that just kind of surprised you? Just the report. Um, there's a woman who used to walk around in like 18th century France just with a tit out, like just built into her costume. <laughs> and that's not even the fact that's been on the podcast. That's just been on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminded me of the great Nippolini. I'll never forget that, man. Nippolini. 
That reminded me of when my friend matched with the great Nippolini on Opey Cupid. They listened to the podcast and then said, wait a minute, I think I recognize this guy. And they sent me like a link. Oh, Jesus. It just it just amazes me just kind of the stuff that's already come out of the podcast like you know Nippolini, uh the fact that we have renamed bras into shims. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I missed recording that episode, and I came back and I was like, <laughs> "When did we do this, guys? When did we sign up for this?" It was a real like, wow. This how can I hear this information? There's no way I can like catch up on it. Well, that sounds funny. You should have recorded that. Cause, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. I wish I could do some homework. That was a real giggle. That. Was... <laughs> uh, wonderful. Well, if I may indulge you guys a little bit, since you guys are all about hot goss, I decided since I brought people that knew a lot of facts on here, I wanted to bring a little mini hot goss, or I guess lukewarm goss and give you guys a little fun fact <laughs> yeah. that i wanted to share with you guys the, consider Hi. consider this my audition to eventually be on hot goss um, <laughs> um so i decided since you guys are appearing on an art podcast i thought i'd bring an interesting art fact and the one that i found online that i was absolutely amazed by is the fact that who in here knows about the color wheel just, you know, show if it, you know. I know of it. So, no, of it. For all of us that don't know, it's the basic circle that shows, like, primary and secondary colors. That color wheel is older than the United States. Yeah. Oh. It, it's one, it, it's, it's one of the, so, keep in mind, like, when it came to a lot of the theories when it comes to color and such like that, Sir Isaac Newton was one of the people that was really the one that kind of discovered that kind of stuff. And so whenever he refracted white light to produce the rainbow, he was amazed with how some of the colors were like complementing each other and basically put down a color wheel in 1706, 70 years wow. before the U.S. announced their independence and at least, what, 80-some, like 80-some before the U.S. Uh, was like dec the Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, all that stuff. So, yeah, the color wheel is older than the United States. Wow, you know the first color wheel in cave person times was just all gray. Like they didn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would be amazed if there was a caveman color wheel. Just to be fair, bet they had one. They're smart cookies. Yeah, I think they had to do the wheel first, and then they could do the color wheel. <laughs> well, the wheel, then the concept of color. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so, so wait, like before the wheel, was there like the color rock? Is that what we're saying? Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The color, yeah. Stone, the color stone. The color boulder. Yeah. Yeah. Boulder. I find fascinating is the color purple is older than Rachel and Chloe. So. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. That, yeah? Fair enough. So I have to know, how hot was my fact? Okay. Their <laughs> fact was as hot as the fiery hottest red on the color wheel, um, which is a primary color. And all of the colors on the opposite side of the color wheel, which are the ones that neutralize them, they're looking at the fiery hot and they're like, I don't even think we can neutralize you because... We can't take down that flame, baby. Wow, that that's hot. That's very hot. That is very hot. Uh, who else wants to add their hot judgment scale or whatnot? Uh, that fact was so hot. It was hashtag E two five eight two two. Yes, RGB hex code for flame. 
That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> um, fact is as hot as Sir Isaac Newton on his birthday. He's feeling himself and he's drunk and he's naked. He's just kind of walking around his house. Naked Isaac Newton dropping feeling apples. Himself. He's feeling how he looks, to be clear. I was, I was going to say, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel's I'm, face is a blink. I was going to say, Rachel, thank God you can't hear Chloe because. Uh, uh, <laughs> Especially because. I know you I'm just going to say, I think one of my personal facts on the podcast has been that my family believes, believes, like we have like some light evidence that we're related to Isaac Newton. So what are you talking about, my ancestor, Chloe? Don't, don't ask. He's <laughs> naked and touching himself, <laughs> feeling himself, feeling, feeling was the word. So yeah. we don't know if touching, just emotionally. <laughs> To be clear, Sir Isaac Newton is not masturbating in this scenario. He's not, not masturbating, happening. Rachel. It's okay. He's walking around his house. He's just enjoying life. He didn't he's have any kids, so he's hot. only like an uncle type of a situation. So it's oh, so he was definitely masturbating. That's a sin of him, like <laughs> spilling his seed on the ground. Shem, I was about to say spilling his seed. I can't. <laughs> Okay. I want a book of Chloe's fact ratings because I feel like they usually do these like beautiful little like vignettes around the world of the fact in a person. And I was like, I would just love to go back through some of them because it's like, <laughs> like Shem will have a funny one or like saying Rachel's is like always feisty and then Chloe takes us <laughs> off into this magical world. And I'm like, where are we going? <laughs> There just needs to be like an animated like anthology series of all the like hot ratings when it comes to Chloe. Oh, that's cute. God, that's so fun. <laughs> yes, yes, because naked Sir Isaac Newton touching himself is cute. Um, <laughs> feeling, feeling himself. <laughs> I misspoke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, Rachel. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was say, so, Lindsay, how hot was my fact? <laughs> Your fact was as that moment you get every time you see a rainbow and you're like, oh, look, it's a rainbow that's magical and nature and beautiful. That I, I love those hot rings. And I, I'll go ahead and add my own hot rating, even though it's my own, you know, fact <laughs> or whatnot. Um, that fact was as hot as Sir Isaac Newton's wife baking fresh apple pie that just from apples that dropped on Sir Isaac's head. That's good rating. There you go. That's hot. That's hot. That is hot. I hope. Ooh, I love it. Honey, is that is that is there hair in this pipe? <laughs> I don't know why. I was like, was he fucking the apple? <laughs> in my head, I was like, okay. Oh, so Isaac Newton did the first American pie. pie. American yeah. pie, apple pie fucking. Does that happen yeah. in American pie? He fucks a pie. He doesn't fuck an he apple. He fucks a pie. Okay. okay. Never, I've never seen it. I thought it was too inappropriate for myself when I was young. But it's got, <laughs> it's got Willow in it. I was going to say, I know Alison Hannigan's in it. There yeah. you go. Uh, nevertheless. Uh, Natasha Leon. Natasha Leon. There you go. Yep. Um, I was going to say, nevertheless, if you guys at home enjoyed that little bit of tease, you should go 
listen to Hot Goss because they got more incredible facts and more hilarious hot ratings than what we just gave. Although the Isaac Newton one's definitely gonna be scarred into my memory. Um, <laughs> I can fuck Napple. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, I want to ask with what you guys have basically produced up so far, and I don't, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you guys are going to be hopefully slowing down with the podcast anytime soon. Where are you guys hoping to to see both you guys as a comedy troupe, but also like the podcast itself? Like, where would you like to eventually see it become someday? Hot Gossip Musical. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, serious. The unbelievable Hakas. <laughs> it's me, Isaac Newton, and I'm fucking this apple, babes. <laughs> All my facts are really spicy. Maybe it's me. <laughs> One day, I'm going to have a great, 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 great grandniece who's going to talk on a podcast. But first, let me fuck this apple. <laughs> when did Isaac Newton become Austin Powers? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can do. This is why. As soon as he saw those colors, baby. <laughs> yes. Uh. Um, we are like working on some serious stuff. Um, outside, we're working on a bunch of. Is is all I'll say for certain people. <laughs> um, yeah. Where I would like to see us is being paid. Yeah. <laughs> for doing something whatever i don't care what it is together i mean i think you guys are already getting paid more than i am with this podcast because you guys are using anchor <laughs> no you guys are using anchor and i've been using anchor for over a year but they you know how they have like the oh you could you know be paid and i have zero listenership i haven't been paid a single cent since i've been using it honestly i don't know what we have uh, we have two different ad, ad platforms running and we have yes. like money in there which needs to set up the thing to cash it out. But yes, oh. uh, yeah, there's, there's money around. <laughs> I, I was I, like, I know it's somewhere. I need to get... That was of- like with our show. We would sell out our show and be like, there's money somewhere. We don't know where. At <laughs> some point, we're- <laughs> we could be paid for what we do. We just are like, the money's there. <laughs> it's like having it on display on the wall. It's like, this is our money. We don't know how to get it, but this is our money. <laughs> it exists. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, I think, but, uh, oh, sorry, go on, Chloe. <laughs> no, I think to, yeah, I guess to, uh, about the podcast, I think like continue going in the direction we're going, continue booking like, you know, fun guests, guests that people like, uh, like I, I like Shem's he, fun and surprising. I think that's a great way to say it. Um, I think I'm always surprised by our guest, which is, is fun. So oh, you need to read the, the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, keep doing the podcast and uh, just have it be a podcast people look forward to every week. I say, Rachel, you look like you're itching to say something. Oh, I'm pretending like I know what Chloe. I can hear Chloe. I'm I'm like reacting. (laughs) I'm gonna enjoy listening back to this and being like, "Ooh, (laughs) yeah." So you too could also be scarred by naked Sir Isaac Newton. Wait, this you listen back to? <laughs> okay, to be fair, I do listen to the podcast. I'm just behind. <laughs> and I try not to listen to the ones that I'm on because it's bad. It's bad. I just don't like to hear my voice. I mean, I enjoy hearing your guys' voices, but then again, I'm not the one on there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Well, 
since we've been basically talking about just like the podcast and what you guys do as a comedy troupe, I want to more or less bring in the dream scenario for you guys. Let's say I am big shot, Mr. Moneybags. I have access to anyone and everyone in the industry, and I have more money than there should be possible. Jesus Christ, I could be helping at least one third world country at this point. Um, if given, please the- do that. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> say that's my dream (laughs) yeah go help them (laughs) if we'll figure it out but okay so (laughs) along with helping them out if given the opportunity what would be the dream trash comedy project um giving fine because we have so we have oh chloe Chloe, tell your dreams um personally my dream would be Trash gets Shonda Rhimes money and power to create anything we want. Period. <laughs> I never heard that term before. Shonda Rhimes money, but okay, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> money and power. Money and power. Gotcha. Uh, Rachel, you want to add your answer? Yeah, I was gonna say I don't even know if I can think of a specific, specific, specific or particular type of project because. We uh, have a lot of things that we want to do, um, and there's a lot of things that I would enjoy and I would love doing with these people. But um, I would love to work on an indie dramedy, um, Sundancey type of film. My pals, and have a budget. Lovely, lovely. Uh, Shem, Lindsay, do one of you want to also add to the the dream trash comedy project? Um, amongst other things, I think it would be great to be able to set up like a theater space, be that in New York or somewhere else, uh, where people would be able to put on shows relatively cost free or free. Uh, so people get to go and try out stuff so that they're like, along with the other stuff that we're doing, we're able to set up a little space where people get to go develop things. Cause that's hard to do. And, um, it would be fun. Yeah, maybe set up like several locations, New York, L.A., Arizona. Um, <laughs> Arizona! <laughs> uh, Shem, do you want to add to it? I'm I'm in my dream scenario. I'm creating content oh. uh, with people I care about. And, I, yeah, we just get to make things. Uh, it, like, there's no amount of money or uh, success that would change the fundamental uh, saying things I enjoy and, like, being with people I enjoy uh, element of it. So, like, I, I'm already in, like, an ideal space. Everything else is incremental gains. Well, there you go. Oh, I want to change my answer. <laughs> Chloe wants right. to change her answer. Chloe came in hot with money and power. <laughs> money and power. And the rouse money. <laughs> well, I figured, like, we get all of these, so it was easier to get more altruistic as it went on. Yeah. It's like, okay, the money and power is here, yeah, so great. Yeah, we can do anything now. <laughs> I mean, I... I said I have endless, basically everything. I didn't limit you guys, okay? <laughs> That's true. But, but in the future, you might. Yeah, so might. we're taking that option away. Trash comedy in space. <laughs> there we well, go. Well, the Russians, they just shot like the first, what was that? Like first TV something in space? First TV something? something first Movie. something to be sh- first, yeah. It's a feature so think, film. You know, first bad improv show in space. Now, hold on. Bad? I mean... <laughs> Can't imagine the streaming connection would make for good comedy. 
I was gonna say if the uh, if the setup if we fry anything, the audience up with us. Yeah, you know what? that's a good point. That's a good point. I was gonna say if we're gonna do streaming <sighs> platforms, if it's similar to how the streaming was for you know setting up the podcast, I can only imagine how much of a fun experience it could be for everyone involved. <laughs> I think it would be the Monday equivalent of the Challenger, and school children would like talk about it. In oh no. <laughs> Yeah. Did you see that scene they did? Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. The worst disaster to ever happen in space. Um, <laughs> which I mean, right. so oh, I was going <laughs> to say, say, which is technically right because the Challenger never made it to space. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, wow, you take that away from them. <laughs> You'd be in heaven and everyone. Well, I died in space. You know, well, technically, you died in the stratosphere. So. <laughs> good luck buddy uh, I'm a horrible person uh, <laughs> anyway speaking of which I, I have to go okay. uh, uh, but I have a, a wonderful time I have to go in like 60 to 90 seconds like uh, yeah, my no. boss is cool I, I understand I'm sorry for keeping you guys slower more than it is um, at least when it comes to you I'll I'll be sure to keep you guys in the loop or keep you in the loop because I got like one last question to ask everyone else if you guys are willing to stick around Amazing. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Shen, for your time. Oh, I'll hear the one last question, and then I'll, I'll answer it before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's get down from the dream scenario. Let's actually – no, I'll go ahead and ask just basically the final question. Obviously, you guys are deeply entrenched when it comes to art in one aspect for another and comedy. How important is art not just for you guys but for the world as a whole? Shem, if you want to answer first, get it out of the way, and then leave. Oh, wow, you really put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I have like a detailed and like meaningful response to this, but that takes about 120 seconds. So I'll instead say, um, art is life. Like, you know, uh, there's, there isn't like a culture or historical period in time where people haven't like created an externalized non like work version of things. So like art is such a fundamental part of, um, who we are and what we do. Um, and like, so, you know, it's, it's, it's essential, like keep creating, um, and it doesn't, it's not the success of your creation isn't med measured by external validation or uh, things like money or whatever. It's just like you made the thing, uh, which is a challenge in and of itself. So like, just enjoy, just enjoy that you're able to do that. That's like, yeah, wonderful. That's a lovely answer. Uh, pleasure to talk to you, Shem. Uh, Rachel, Lindsay, Chloe, do you want you guys want to answer next? I'm happy to. All right. Um, so, um, I like echo everything that Shem said. I think um, for so many people, it's an outlet to not only create art, processing their own emotions, but to absorb and um, see art is a way to not feel so alone in whatever's happening. It's a way to share and express feelings, whether those are positive or negative, um, and, and finding ways to relate to people um so i think it's it's crucial and it's crucial for for connecting and feeling like you're part of something lovely lovely chloe Lindsay, do you guys want to add your own answer to that i feel like i it's just yeah it's just like connect so it just is so easy easy art is just like a beautiful way to connect to people at any like any time like you can just watch something alone and you feel a connection to either the characters or the people there no matter what 
genre it is. So I think like, yeah, it's it, it, invaluable. And so like to just play my part in creating things, I, uh, I don't know where I started. I don't know where I'm going to end. That's that. Art is lovely. Oh boy. <laughs> Art is lovely. It's a good way to word it, if nothing else. Nice little summary statement. Um, <laughs> Lindsay, do you want to add to that as well? Only that I think, like, the thing I would add is, like, I think it's a shame that as people get older, like, in cert, cert, for certain people, like, creativity becomes less a part of their life, or certain people feel like they aren't creative because things that they're told, but, like, everyone is creative and, like, you just get more creative by like being able to flex that muscle. So being able to make it more accessible and bring it into like more different parts of life would be great. That's a wonderful addition, if nothing else. Cause I mean, it's a good way to emphasize nothing else. You're never too old for art. You know, art is something that is universal for everyone. If they just take the time to dedicate themselves to it. And like, I really love stories when it's like this person didn't become an actor until they were 65. Like there was a character in like a British sitcom and like he worked in finance he was like a really successful investment banker retired trained to be an actor and then was like in this long running sitcom for years and i was like oh that's so great like it's it's never too late and i hate that there's always like an age put on it and it's like these like who's like the hottest under 30 it's like great those people are very successful at like a certain age but like it doesn't mean that you still can't be so right everyone go be creative exactly i don't know like Especially for me, like, I also didn't really, as a kid, I don't know this happened to how, like, I didn't pursue creativity or really see myself as a creative person until, like, I became an adult and started, like, pursuing comedy because, like, I was an athletic kid, so immediately I was put in the, you're athletic, you're the sports kid. Mm-hmm. You're also smart, but you're not the art kid. And so, like, you hear that and you see what you're good at as a kid, and I think it was easy, it's easy for kids to take that on, too. And so you don't even get to, like, give yourself a chance to explore until you, like, grow up and you're like, wait, hold, wait, I am creative. Anyone is creative. You create. You're creative. There you you think you're creative. There we go. That is a beautiful way to word it. And that was the last question I have for you guys. Um, I've already showered you guys with a whole bunch of praise, but I'm going to show you some more because it's my podcast. I do whatever the fuck I want. Um, I, I have, like... It has been said before within the podcast network and such that, yeah, Stranger Christian is my favorite. But honestly, like, you guys are, like, right up there. Like, I cannot get enough of what you guys bring to the table. Um, your chemistry is absolutely infectious, especially, you know, listening to one another. Um, and the facts that you bring on are absolutely outstanding. But more than anything else, it's a nice, good, calm, relaxing conversation just about random facts that I cannot get enough of when it comes to the podcast. And knowing kind of what you guys have been going through, what you guys are pushing out there, what you guys are doing together as a troop and the, uh, as a group, and the fact that you guys are still going through with that and having fun at the end of the day, that's something that I absolutely admire. And I cannot wait to see what's next for you guys because seriously, you guys are putting out incredible stuff. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us. Yeah, this has been great. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you guys taking the time. And uh, yeah, I, I've hinted at this a couple times, but hopefully I can be on the podcast at some point because, again, I absolutely just love <laughs> oh, yeah. the facts. And hopefully I can bring something Absolutely. interesting to it. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd love to have oh, yeah. you. Just let me know. Yeah. Let me know when you guys have an opening and I'll be more than happy to fill it in. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. So, for those who may not already know, where can we potentially find more about trash comedy and hot goss as a whole? 
us. You can follow us on all social platforms at We Are Trash Comedy. On Twitter, it's just the letter R instead of the whole word. Um, you can send us in facts that you want to share at wearetrashcomedy at gmail.com. And you can stream the podcast wherever you stream podcasts. Um, and we're also part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Just as myself. And I'll add, and if you're in New York, uh, keep an eye on our Instagram where we post uh, show promos and whatnot. Yeah. Live shows, live shows. They're back. It, it, yeah, exactly. If you guys are even remotely in New York or close by, you should seriously come to one of these guys' shows because you will certainly not leave disappointed because they are a wonderful, hilarious bunch, if I do say so myself. Uh, do you guys have any final words before we sign off? This was so fun. Thank you. Yeah. I love Thanks. art. <laughs> I love art. <laughs> Well, once again, thank you guys for your time. I really cannot thank you guys enough. And for everyone else at home, all I have left to say is hasta luego, mi amigos. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. Thank you for sticking around to the end. I uh, I really appreciate it. This episode was a, a fun episode to do. You know, I <laughs> I really do enjoy what trash comedy is doing, and it just gives me that kind of rush to talk to these guys. I, I I I'm trying to get as many people within the Apocalypse Podcast Network on this podcast or me onto their podcast as much as I possibly can. Because I didn't, I said it before, I didn't just join this network just to have a network. I wanted to be a part of this group because they have some incredible content. And I'm glad to associate myself with all and any of the guys and gals that have podcasts in this network, seriously. It's just fun, more than anything else. But this is a good chance for me to, like, really get my name out there. <laughs> To make a good impression. And I'm hoping I left a decent impression on Hot Goss or Trash Comedy with this episode. Yeah. Good lord. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for 2021 to be done and over with. I mean, we're basically at the home stretch right now, right? God, look at the year we've had. It's, it's insane. I feel like I've aged 20 years in this one year alone. But I'm glad we're getting close to the end. Uh, I'm excited for what's going to happen with the future for us. For both me personally and for whatever's going to happen with this podcast. 
Because I got some good names coming on. I, I keep saying that, but like every time I seem to just wow myself with some of the people I'm able to bring on. Um, you know, speaking of, thank you for everyone that watched the Warrior Cats video, Warrior Cats animated video. It was wonderful to see and hear the reception that went into it. And I sincerely hope that everyone that watched it truly enjoyed it. Because it was a new experience for me, but it was fun to be able to talk to him. And, th like, the people that are behind that are some of the nicest people I've had a chance to talk to. Like, most of the guests I've had have been really wonderful to talk to. But, like, it was awesome to, like, it's always been awesome for me with this podcast to, to hear the love and passion that goes behind all this stuff. If I was to rename the podcast, which I don't think I'm going to do. But if I was to ever rename the podcast, I think I'd go with, like, The Passion Project or something along the lines of that. But I think Postmodern Art Podcast, it's still a really good one, you know? Even if no one gets the, you know, pun or the, the wordplay that I'm using instead of it being focused on specifically the postmodern art movement is saying that people should post their modern art because we're in the 21st century. And everyone likes to upload their stuff. Just saying. If you didn't know, now you know. I said this on Audiovisual Cultures Podcast. So there you go. Uh, but as we're getting closer to the end of the year, I just want to say I hope you guys are staying safe. The holidays are coming up soon. I hope you guys have wonderful plans. And I sincerely hope the best for you guys. Because you all deserve it. Especially after this year, after everything's kind of gone down, you deserve to, to finish the year strong. I'm hoping to do that with the podcast. Well, not finish it up strong because I'm not finishing anytime soon. <laughs> and all I have left to say is, for my final words of the day, make sure whatever you're doing, you're happy with it. Doesn't matter what it is. Just make sure you're happy. That's what you need to keep in mind when you're doing any sort of creative project like this. If you are not personally happy with what you're doing, then you need to step back and realize why you're doing it, why you want to do it, all this kind of stuff. Trust me, there are times where I personally have to step back with this podcast and rethink why am I doing this. And like my thoughts are always the same, but sometimes my mind is my worst enemy. But nevertheless... I always remember at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I want to hear why people are doing the incredible stuff that they're doing. I want to hear that love. I want to hear their passion. And I don't care if I have 10,000 people watching or 10 people watching. As long as I have incredible conversations, that's all that matters. And I hope that for you guys, think about that when you're creating your incredible art. Because you need to be happy with it. You need to be absolutely happy with it. And I think you should be. You should be proud and happy with what you do. So go out there and make something that makes you happy.